The affair began on April 15, 2014, correct? Yes, ma'am. It was the best day of my life. Did you feel pressured into being physical with Miss Luna? Uh, no, I, uh, I instigated it. Uh, after school, I went in and said, what could I do for some extra credit? And it was on. <laughs> Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash contrarianprime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O V N I O. Now, time for the podcast. Okay, we are recording for Contrarian's Corner. All right, ten oh seven p.m. <laughs> Captain's log. We've just uh, welcomed Jennifer Lopez to the podcast. What an entrance! What an entrance and what an exit! Uh, hello and welcome back to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. My name is Alex, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host and friend, co-friend Julio Oliveira. Julio, we've just been through 90 minutes of pure hell it's uh an exhilaration I'm, is what I'm, i mean I'm, by that i'm, I'm sweating just uh, that much that, like jennifer lopez in the entire movie yeah i i just i don't know I, I, i'm like a little out of breath i think do you have my EpiPen because <laughs> i i was ready to collapse uh a couple of times during this movie tensions ran hot and uh, we're recording our fourth anniversary episode after this. Even though there will be released opposite. So, Which is a shame because this movie is not eligible for the, the Ruffalo for mm-hmm. hottest sex scene. Well, I mean, it will be in the following year. So in a way, we already have a front runner for the 364 Ruffalo. 364 more days till the next pretzel day. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Jennifer Lopez coming on The Contrarians for the first time ever. We're going to have her here in a little bit on the, the actual podcast, but... Uh, the boy next door. This was chosen by yourself, Julio, and why? Well, well, not quite. It was like it was almost a dare. The guys from uh, from Beyond the Box set oh, did right. this movie, that's right. and and that was that happened they to be like on, this. I mean, they enjoyed it. I don't think they think it's a good movie. Are they part of the ten percent? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I but I think they were pretty noncommittal about. Okay. You know, this movie, you shouldn't watch this movie. And in fact, they said, would you guys do this movie? <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm happy to watch this anytime. This really. is our Patreon bonus listener series. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, our, our, we will watch anything if you dare us. Well. Almost. But- we watched Paul Blart Mall Cop, and that was back before, like, nobody, anyone listened to the podcast. Yeah, nobody dared us. We just did it to, to prove a point. Uh, the Boy Next Door, starring Jennifer Lopez, the 2015 
just missed the award season. Came out in January, January 23rd of that year. Palette cleanser. <laughs> As I uh, adjusted about 10%. That's, that's where she and this film stand on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, directed by Robert Cohen, who uh, we'll get a bit more into this in real talk, but this movie had a $4 million budget. That's Robert, <laughs> Robert, Rob Cohen wipes his balls with $4 million. So he, uh, he was dead set to make the most of this and the most of it he did. Uh, Julio, what were the critics saying about this? Um, so at 10%, it's just like a sea of green splotches all over the Run Tomatoes website. And then you have to dig deep to find the, the fresh. So of course we'll get to the fresh and real talk. Uh, but for right now, uh, we'll start with Tom Huddleston from Time Out, who says, Jennifer Lopez has serious beefcake issues in this lazy, low-budget, not-as-much-fun-as-it-should-be potboiler. Beefcake? I mean... <laughs> with there, there, there Luis is Guzman's son, Ryan Guzman? <laughs> Ryan Beefcake Guzman. Uh, J.R. Jones from Chicago Reader says, I haven't seen a bigger mess in wide release since Dana Carvey's career terminating the Master of Disguise. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's Dana Carvey brought out to the to the field for no reason. Who? What was the name of that critic? J.R. Jones. He had that in the holster for what would have been fourteen years at this point. It's like I just need one more movie. If 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 this one doesn't do it, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna bring it up anyway. Uh, Ed Whitfield from the U Tray. That's literally the U Tray. O O H. Fair enough. Uh, our faith in intergenerational relationships is dangerously compromised. He felt threatened by this movie. Okay. Him and his 19-year-old girlfriend. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> it's a pretty large age disparity here. Intergenerational relationships. Ed, be careful. <laughs> this is the future liberals want. <laughs> Uh, Linda Cook from Quad City Times, Davenport, IA. If the phrase lifetime movie gone bad is understandable, you'll get just how awful this is. I've never seen a lifetime movie, I don't think. I know Kristen Wiig and uh, Will Ferrell did that one a few years ago. Oh, but that was intentionally bad, right? Yeah. It was supposed to be yeah. like a parody. of. Did lifetime movie knew that when they aired it? I don't know. <laughs> I still don't know. Me and Reed have talked about that. They're just like, like score. Do, do they know, like, what? What? where does the joke begin and end here? Uh, and finally, Steve Newton from Georgia Strait says, Sorry, J-Lo, but since you also had the gall to executive produce this shameless turkey, your nickname now is J-New-Lo. Oh, that was lazy. Boo. Could have just said J-Blow. <laughs> so much easier. All right. So for you first-time listeners out there, uh, if this is your first time listening, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, returning listeners, you know we got to get our spiel out of the way. This is the first half of the podcast. We do have two halves to it. We have the first half here, which is Contrarian's Corner, hashtag CC, as it's jestingly referred to on occasion. Um, this is where we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine and make a case. What a machine. What? It, gave, it, it gave 10% to this movie. And if you want to know how we really feel about The Boy Next Door, just stick around for real talk and you'll hear about it. In spades. Claire Peterson, Jennifer Lopez, living somewhere in a rural suburb of fucking Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> it, it looks like the heartland of America where, of course, one of the fucking high school teachers looks like Jennifer Lopez. Uh, she's struggling after the separation of her husband, Garrett, John Corbet, 
uh, Aiden from Sex and the City fame. Not John Hurd? No. And the, I, I know John Corbett. Like, I've seen him in plenty of movies and everything. And yet, here, he's just doing such a great job of pretending to be John Hurd mm-hmm. that I it took me a moment until you IMDb'd him. I didn't know that was him. Yeah. Uh, and then I know him as Aiden from Sex and the City, as I am a, a fan of Sex and the City. Only the television show, not the movies. Uh, but... You say what everyone else says when his name comes up. My big fat Italian wedding. Greek wedding, Alex. Greek. <laughs> Just offended some of our Anglo listeners. I apologize. Uh, so Both Greek and Italian. They're like, fuck you. <laughs> the hate mail will be spewing. Uh, yeah, John Corbet was caught cheating with his secretary in was it San Francisco. And they, oh, that we know for sure. Yeah, they, they're <laughs> estranged. They have their son, Kevin, who's played by an actor named Ian Nelson. And... Um, no disrespect to Mr. Nelson, but Kevin is easily the most forgettable character in this movie. This movie happens around Kevin. This should be called We Don't Need to Talk About Kevin. <laughs> so we won't. <laughs> and we don't. Um, this is this is pretty awesome because it's, it's just it's a very intense five-minute flashback at the beginning. That's right. J-Lo's running through the vast cornfields of Canada or wherever the fuck they are and having all these flashbacks. And it's just like with with these weird filters, it's like blue and orange and the camera's all tilted and and they just keep coming at you. you it's like it's like previously on The Boy Next Door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, her best friend Vicky, not Amy Sedaris, is telling her, girl, you need to dump his ass or you know something to that effect. It's so crazy because... You know, she's running, and uh, and you get all the flashbacks, and then it finally settles on this scene where she's talking to, you know, Glinda the Good Witch. And <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, wait, are we, are we like, in the movie now? Because there's really no transition or anything. It just happens. Uh, it, it, I like it. Because, we get submerged right away. Right. This is how J-Lo feels the entire movie. So Rob Cohen very successfully just put, her, uh, put us in her mind space. You know, this is what it's like when a 19-year-old is playing with you. And plays with her does a 19-year-old. <laughs> Enter Noah Sandborn. I did not hear his last name said once in the movie, but here it is right here. Played by Ryan Guzman, who is of Heroes fame. was about the only other thing I could find him from. And it also, doesn't matter. After you watch this movie, he oh, is he's gonna only be yeah. Noah. He was apparently in a uh, Linkladder joint. Everybody wants some. Really? Yes. He was also in Step Up Revolution, so Eddie Strait might be able to help us out with that one. <laughs> um, so... He moves in next door because his uncle lives there, and his uncle's old and needs someone to take care of him, right? His uncle is having some sort of surgery, uh, some serious procedure where everybody's, like, joking around about it. He's, like, getting a bone marrow transplant, and right. J-Lo's it's, it's like, oh, my body. <laughs> um, yeah, he's really old. But he's lean, trim, cut, buff, You jacked. can see the jeans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh... He's obviously just a great kid right there, just there to charm the pants off of at least Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. I I mean, anybody, really. <laughs> <laughs> he is like a Finn Balor type of, you know, is a, prefer men or women, who cares? A bear hungry, he'll eat, you know, that type of thing. Um, he is, but let's not mince words. I mean, the, the, the movie's title might be misleading, but here are the contrarians. We give it to you straight. So <laughs> this is no boy next door. This is the man next door. He is. He, I understand the title of the movie refers to JLo's huge mistake of underestimating him and thinking of him as a, as a child. Yeah, but this is this is a dude. 
No, this is a, this is a man. Yeah. Uh, he, what's the thing we always quote on here? The Sarah Marshall. The boy? No, that was a man. <laughs> that was a fucking man. The man next door. So Claire's son, uh, Kevin, befriends him. We find out pretty quickly that Noah's a bit of a drifter uh, in that his whole family died in a car wreck. So, I mean, just sympathy out the wazoo already for this kid. And he's cool. He's taking Kevin under his wing. And Kevin's kind of a you know, a pre-potion Jerry Lewis and the Nutty Professor type of uh, he's kind of nerdy. Can't talk to girls. No, not at all. So Noah's there to kind of show him, not kind of, but to show him the ropes. Um Right away, the chemistry, the tension is palpable between Noah and Claire. Uh, they're talking about Homer's... Uh, the Iliad? Iliad, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, and they're like finishing each other's quotes and thoughts on it. And um, That's how you know that there's a connection. Yeah, and then Kevin and not Amy Sedaris are just sitting there like, look at them. What are they talking about? <laughs> Meanwhile, sparks flying in the background. Yeah, that, I understand because Kevin is so sheltered and, and socially awkward that he can't tell... What we can, which is, wow, the sexual tension here is... And also, he's just like, no one would find my mom hot. What is what is that like, to be Jayla's son? It, that is suck. Right, that's what I mean. Cause There's a bunch of Noahs out there trying to bone your mom. Exactly, and they don't even have to look like Noah, but they just have to think that they're like Noah. Just have to look like Batman. Yep. Uh, but then, not Amy Sedaris. She has no excuse she she's a grown woman right and the movie depicts her as somebody who gets around so she yes. she should be able to spot the sexual tension the most she says is i get a weird vibe off this kid <laughs> one not a kid a man the man next door two come on now i mean it's not just that you what you get from him you're friends with with j-lo so you know that's you know when you're friends with somebody that's that attractive yes there's no escaping that fact unless the movie's saying that because they've been friends for so long, she's just blinded to it. Yeah. She's forgotten the J-Lo is super hot. Blinded by the J-Lo light. She's uh, gotten used to it. During all this that we're discussing, Garrett, John Corbet, is his mission is to get the family back together. So what he's trying to do is put together a trip. Wants the family to go out. He gets Kevin to go. J-Lo's not entirely sure about it. She's going to stay behind. So, oh, because he makes a mistake of saying that. Uh, oh, he's going to San Francisco. That's right. And she's um, like, "You're gonna see that whore again." <laughs> you do a terrible Jennifer Lopez, just by the way. <laughs> but that's angry Jennifer Lopez. Okay, that's not very often in this movie. She has such patience in this movie. But the moment that you bring up the woman that that not John Hurt slept with, mm -hmm. that's when she loses it. That's right. Everything else, she's pretty slick about. But the but, patience but, of Job. Yeah, uh, she. I mean, I think that this is really what's at the core of the movie, and uh, you know, the ten percent people that like it probably get to the is really they understand it, whereas the ninety percent that didn't like it mm -hmm. are missing the point, or maybe they're outward, uh, they're they're just rejecting it mm -hmm. outright. And that is that this is a movie about a return to conservative values, right? The the family unit, the family unit here is John Corbett. The kid that nobody knows about, nobody remembers, and J-Lo. Sure, he made a mistake, but the entire movie is about, can we forgive him? Yes. Right? And J-Lo instead, she's kind of, I don't know if I want to, maybe, maybe I'm going to play the field for a little while. She goes on dates, and even worse things happen down the line. But none of this movie had would happen if she would just embrace her husband back. Right? For better or for worse, till death do us part. 
that doesn't mean, hey, if you cheat on me, I'm just going to forget about it and, and destroy this family. Mm-hmm. So You bottle it up. You hold on to it until a violent outburst happens years and years down the road. Right. And, and this, I mean, he's trying. It's not like the movie show us that John Corbett is still fucking around and uh, yeah. being a terrible person. He is a saint through the entire movie. He does pay for his sins later <laughs> on in the film. Uh, Noah obviously does not go with him. He's not too close with these two at this point. So he, he hangs behind. He's got this real sweet, like penthouse, like uh garage apartment at his uncle's place that has floor to ceiling window from side to side. So he's just walking around in the buff and he catches JLo ogling from across the street and, you know, tensions again, rising. Yeah. This time there's nobody to witness it. So it's even worse. It's, I mean, we are there. We are. Intimate. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, the movie didn't take too long to give us just man ass, man ass right away. Uh, this leads into a horrendous double date scenario where not Amy Sedaris hooks up um, Jennifer Lopez with one of her friends. I couldn't tell who was dating who at the table. I just know Keith from Scrubs was one of the men there. Was Keith the terrible one, or or no? Did he Keith not- was like the big doucher with the big tall hair. Okay, so he he hardly even got any lines. Correct. That's that's gotta suck. He was like, "Hey, I'm the guy from Scrubs." <laughs> hey, I'm Keith from Scrubs. Can I be the asshole in this scene? <laughs> but in this scenario, completely believable is uh, Kristen Chenoweth. You know, Slayer of the Men. Jennifer Lopez can't find a man to save her life, so she needs help being hooked up with a man. Yeah, and uh, completely realistic, relatable scenario. And she gets. This dude that scoffs at the fact that she teaches classics, and he's all, well, you should be teaching our kids how to get jobs, because who's going to care about the Iliad? And and then J-Lo, I guess, you know, I understand the movie's making the point that, that the single scene is a nightmare, mm-hmm. and yes, I agree, which is why she should just be working on fixing her marriage instead of trying to start from scratch with someone else. Yeah. Th- this should drive home the point that, hey, you're... Lucky that you got John Hurt or not John Hurt uh, with you, even though he he made a mistake earlier. But then on top of that, if you're going to play the single scene, Mm -hmm. you got to be a little – it's a give and take. Yeah. You can't just walk out the day the moment that somebody insults your profession. Yes. Just just laugh. (laughs) Throw another, like, jab back at him and say, what do you do? Oh, you're an accountant? Sounds boring. (laughs) I'm going to go now. I have someone waiting for me across the street. <laughs> and I'm raising his ass. Yes. the It's like the reverse Travolta introduction in Basic. We just saw the front of Travolta right here. We're getting the back of Ryan Guzman. No towel. No towel. That's right. So J-Lo heads home. Uh, Noah calls her, says he needs help defrosting a chicken, which we all know what that means. We're all adults. The old frosted chicken trick. So he goes over there and or excuse me, she goes over there to help him out and despite her hesitation, he seduces her with fairly I don't know. So it's a bit uncomfortable cuz she like is saying no at first but then starts liking it. She's doing like she says no but then she bites her lower time. Lip. Yeah. It's one of those things that that would you would never get away with that here in 2018. It's only 3 years old, but yeah. But yeah, no now that's no, there's no gray area anymore. But then, I mean, it's it's. It was like Straw Dogs. <laughs> yeah, straw Dogs was was such a gray area uh, 
bit that I'm, I can't even make a joke about that. <laughs> but no, here, so J-Lo is, there's so many things that are just, it, it's a minefield, right? Because she's been drinking. She's She's been drinking from her date. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's feeling vulnerable, she says it later, because they were making fun of her profession and because she's conflicted about about John Corbett. Um, and also, he she just saw this dude naked earlier. Yeah. So all that stuff messes with your head. Well, and again, let us not take away from J-Lo's performance in this scene. That's right. the most powerful part of it well, all. You can read it all in her face, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, you can justify it to yourself if you're in J-Lo's position. Well, my husband cheated on me. This guy's been really sweet. He's hot. And I'm not having not having any luck for some reason. I'm not having any luck out there as a single as a single mom. So why not, right? And so she makes a mistake. And the movie, I don't think the movie ever condemns her for making the mistake. The movie yeah. condemns her for everything else she does. Yes, and I applaud them for never demonizing her for actually sleeping with because he's 19. Right, he's 19. Yeah. She's not. If if he really was the boy, if he really was the boy next door, they would have. A completely different Pandora box to open. Uh, this is like movie. Miko Hughes and Mercury Rising or something. Yeah, we'd have a different story we're talking about here. <laughs> it would be the pedophile next door, <laughs> and it would be JLo on the poster just by herself. Uh, no, this, this there man, is no gray area about his age. Right. No, uh, here he's a dude. He's 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 a man. He can carry her, which he does. Yes. <laughs> he carries her to the bed. They have a grand old time. They it's, do. It's shot Rob Cohen. Hat off to you, buddy. You and JLo didn't use a body double, right? Because I, I have in my notes, it's like such a fearless filmmaking. It just for no body doubles. We're gonna go straight for because that's what people want. And I'm not saying that because oh, well, I'm a perv. I want to see like JLo naked. It's just that when your movie promises something, I think that you should follow through. Yes, you're promising me an erotic thriller with Jennifer Lopez and Ryan Guzman. Mm-hmm. Oh, I expect them to get naked. That's where your made-for-lifetime bullshit argument ends, because this is an R-rated feature-length film. We can supply you with nudity in this. Right. I think that there are some things where you you need body doubles, right? Obviously, you're shooting an action movie. Some dude gets shot. You need a stuntman to... Right? I'm yeah. not going to argue for, uh, for the actor to put his life in danger over there. Just get a professional or whatever. But when you're having a sex scene, that doesn't show actual penetration. Yeah, Lars Van Trier didn't direct this. Right. It didn't just it doesn't it, it doesn't get you out of the movie. When when you're watching a sex scene where it's very clear that they're avoiding showing the faces, mm-hmm. then that takes you out of the movie. And the whole point, this is the pivotal scene of the movie. This is if I don't believe that these two are having sex, and not just sex, but like awesome sex, then the movie doesn't work. So every time the camera panned and showed that, oh, it's still Jennifer Lopez and Ryan Guzman doing this. That was amazing. I audibly went, oh, like twice when <laughs> that was going on. And then you you looked down to write something and then looked up and it was still going. I was like, oh. <laughs> so they do the deed. She falls asleep, as you do typically afterwards. She wakes up the next day, uh, not hungover, but more of just like the walk of shame. Only there's implications here because it's her son's friend. Again, not demonizing her for sleeping with a 19-year-old, more or less just the situ- the social situation at hand. Right, and it happens. Yeah, and he comes and has breakfast in bed, and she's like, no, this was a mistake, I don't need to do this. So uh, he punches the wall, 
And then the good Samaritan that uh, Claire Peterson is, Jennifer Lopez, she just hangs around and tends to his hand now. That's This guy, he, he knows how to play Jennifer Lopez. First, the the chicken that needed to be defrosted. Now, the hands that need to be tended to because mm-hmm. his hand is a mess after he punches the wall. Um, pretty good. I mean, it already gives you we, – we're not even – he hasn't gone full villain yet. But you can already tell that he's not—he's not just beefcake. Oh no, the no, wheels. This are, guy. Th- there's there's stuff going on behind the eyes. Yep. He's he's just not a body. Um, school year begins. Claire's back in class. Uh, Noah hacks her email, so he you know he's transferring schools now. He's a 19 year old senior, which I'm not entirely sure of how that works. Um, he skipped, uh, or I'm sorry, he fell behind. Okay. Right, because his family died. His family right. died, so then you get a year off school. So he gets himself put into her class because uh, he hacks her email saying he would be a fine addition to my classroom. He also, in the meantime, is working on manipulating Kevin to hate his father. He's just trying to cover, you know, all his X's and O's to make sure that he's got an end to the family. Uh, he he also well, this was before they they had sex. But just another crumb on the way to to achieving Nirvana with Jennifer Lopez. He gave her a a first edition of the Iliad, mm-hmm. uh, which, and then when he arrives at her class, I think they're studying the Iliad, right? Or is it the Odyssey? I don't know. But they're like it's very one much of Homer's into, right adventures. Which I I appreciate the continuity in in the plotting and how much this movie worked to bring Homer's poems back to relevance mm-hmm. in the year 2000, you know, in the, in the new millennium. Uh, well, because you know, Jennifer Lopez is clearly a person that's tenured in this subject. Well, yeah, she executive produced this. She, she, she just, she, it can't be all about sex. We'll, we'll, I'll produce it if we talk about the Iliad. <laughs> Please, it's been a while since Troy. <laughs> it's time for Achilles and the gang to come back. Noah is pretty much infiltrating every aspect of Kevin's life, including his physical activity. They take boxing together, and he just gets them all riled up. It's this trope that's not used except for one, two parts in the film where I don't really know what his condition is, but if Kevin gets overexerted, he needs an EpiPen. So Noah gives him the EpiPen. It's it's a pretty awesome uh, scene because by now you're starting to get a feeling that he's a creep, but... Then he saves the kid's life, which is – that's layers, right? Yes. The kid collapses. He's dying. And it's not just that, that he saves his life, but that for for a brief moment, it looks like Noah doesn't even know what to do. Mm-hmm. He has true fear. So he looks like a human being. It's not – because from the moment that he, he conquers Mount Jalo, from moments that he, he, he unlocks that achievement, it's, it's hard not to look at him as some sort of superhuman – uh, being right, yes. but then suddenly you see him brought to just being a normal guy when when his buddy uh, is having a what is it like an asthma attack or some sort of uh, yeah I'm not entirely sure a, the medical like I said we were watching this I'm like I don't really know what an epipen does I don't know if it's something to do with diabetes or if you know please email us so I thought it was when a bee like an stung uncultured you, swine <laughs> yeah I'm sure it has many uses yes and certainly has many uses in this movie it does but uh, but yeah it was fun to see him. Not knowing what to do because by now you're thinking, wow, this guy is a chess master. Uh, he's always 10 steps ahead. But here it just – he lucks out that somebody else stick it on his leg and then he, he – Yeah, then someone off stage left, oh, just stick it in his <laughs> leg. Uh, after this, to be you know the ultimate level of Don, Noah saves her son's life and then sends Jennifer Lopez flowers. 
that uh, I forget what the card says, but please, please come forgive back. me. Yeah, something Give like me that. another chance. So she confronts him in the school gymnasium, and uh, the coach sees her like put her hands on his chest, like in his. No, don't do it. That type of thing. Uh, that guy would be later uh, subpoenaed for the Supreme Court hearing of uh, Noah, and he'd be like, "Yeah, she was totally all over him. She did that shit, man." Noah from his rooftop. He has. Do you remember the show Hey Arnold? Uh, never watched it, but I know he the kid okay. with the weird head, right? Yeah. Uh, I just I realized Noah has Arnold's room. If you had seen the show, you would know that. Uh, <laughs> that Arnold had his walls. He had like this wallpaper with Jennifer Lopez pictures. He had like this rooftop suite with this huge like floor to ceiling window, like fucking Noah's got here. So. No, the hidden room is the one with all the Jennifer Lopez pictures. That's really like, oh, that's me. right, that's yeah. right, that's right. Uh, Noah sees Claire and Garrett come home together after going on a date. He watches them go inside. He they try to make a Garrett tries to make a move on Claire, but she's like, "No, can't do it. Too soon. Too soon." After I already had this move pulled on me, and then the true humanizing moment for uh, John Corbet, he's like, "I had too much to drink. Can I crash on the couch?" <laughs> That guy, he's a saint. I told you, the way that he takes rejection is is heartbreaking. It's also very sympathetic because he doesn't try to play it off like, okay, well, whatever. He, You can see that he's hurting. Yeah. But then he says, that's okay. I'm hurting, but I'll still wait for you. <laughs> I'll be here. So Noah goes crazy. He sees this. He... Uh, the next day at school, isn't it when he beats the fuck out of the bully that's messing with Kevin? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he just beats the shit out of this kid and fractures his skull. It's actually a disturbing scene because it's like um, Rob Zombie's Halloween when young Michael just beats the shit out of the bully. It's kind of something along those lines. And then he gets expelled by not Amy Sedaris uh, and not before he verbally berates her for being uh, – he says some very unnice things about her. Well, he's it's his full heel turn, I guess you would. Hey, uh, yeah, he he goes overboard, and she, but she stands up to him, mm-hmm. which is great. She tries to slap him, but he does the right. Well, him. I mean, he is what three times her size, so it, it was it was gonna be a losing battle no matter what. Fair, but but she has balls like there are what twenty thirty people watching uh, Noah beat up that kid. And nobody intervenes, really, yeah. until she jumps in. And then the school janitor or somebody comes up and, you know, bear hugs him and carries him off stage left. And then cut to uh, not Amy Sedaris' office, and she's with him by himself. Where's security? No security. You know, he's just standing against the... Because they know she can take it. He's standing in the back corner. You're tearing me apart. <laughs> and um, she expels him. He's out of there. Get the fuck out of there. Also, I love hearing you use wrestling terminology. It's quite great. Uh, the school dances that same night, I, if I'm following the this movie chronologically. Yeah. And Kevin has a really has a hot date. date. Yeah. the One of the girls that Noah taught him how to talk to. So Jennifer Lopez takes him to his date. She's just kind of standing there. She literally walks him through, through the room mm-hmm. until he gets to his date. It's kind of dropped here uh, that there's been a lot of tension within the family, a lot of infighting with kevin and his mom and kevin and his dad but as soon as the dance happens it's all kind of dropped well you know dance have that magical power of they do have you ever seen families? disney's prom <laughs> incidentally 
I forget the girl's name that he took, but she she tells Jennifer Lopez, you know, Miss Peterson, there, there's something wrong with the boys' bathroom. And this is where we get our crossover scene where uh, Marv and Daniel Stern, or the, I believe they're one and the same. Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, the wet bandits, had come through fucking whatever, Topeka High or wherever they are, and clogged up the, the sinks in the bathroom. Because Jennifer Lopez walks in and she's like, hey, paper towels don't belong in the sink. Uh, and then she turns around like The Shining and it's all on the wall. I fucked Claire Peterson. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. You don't come back from that. <laughs> I mean, Noah, just up till then, I think he could argue that he was just being a little too, his approach was a little too strong mm-hmm. in, in courting this older woman. But now it just cards on the table. Yeah. Now, well, now he's committed to just doing it by force. Yes, and things get rough here because he's in the bathroom again. How he got back on a school pa- campus, I don't know. Well, he's he's a triple threat. He's smart, he's hot, and, and he's he can, charming. It, well, he can kickbox. This is quadruple true. threat. <laughs> Nothing could stop him. No, he's like Daredevil. <laughs> he's a triple threat plus one more. So, like, there's no beating around this. He pretty much tries to rape Jennifer Lopez in this yeah, scene. Yeah, it's pretty scary dry humping. Yeah. Uh, pretty suggestive but she gets free and knees him in the balls which is kind of like a fuck yeah moment and she says you know stay away from me and doesn't she say stay away from my family or i'll end you i know she doesn't say that but i wish she had well we can read it in the subtext um so we never there's never any consequence to to what he wrote in the bathroom because she says it's your word against mine (laughs) never comes back up if anybody says hey that's Somebody the wrote the bathroom scene where the janitor goes in. Oh my! Uh, <laughs> These paper towels don't belong here. <laughs> oh, Marv fucked Claire Peterson. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think that the only thing we can assume is that after after she kneed him in the balls, uh, Noah just cleaned it up. Yeah, right. Because there's nobody's teasing uh, Kevin the next day at school. Nobody's bringing it up to her. I mean, he ups the ante on oh, his next time. attack, but but the this bathroom shenanigans it's never they're never addressed. So I, I guess he he took it back. He just had the paint thinner with him that he could just get it off the walls really quick. Yeah, he definitely ups the ante because Claire comes back to school the next day and in her class there's all these pictures plastered everywhere of uh, her and um, Noah mid coitus or cuddling nude or whatever the case but he definitely had enough time to get up there and put up several hundred copies of it because she's scrambling like a madman trying to get all of them taken down yeah she locks the students out of the classroom so she can just do a little bit of uh sex cleanup mm-hmm. he they're still printing when she walks in yeah so he had just left apparently <laughs> either that or he you know put some kind of bug in there like jeff goldblum puts in the alien starship and uh independence day that just Blows the whole system up. He uses a Mac, so anything is possible. It's it's true. This was a, a 2015 Mac, but he was still apparently running like 1999 processor on it. Um, during the scope of all this, there's this really weird scene of revenge where Noah lures back a young blonde female to his room. And we don't really know who it is. We weren't able to tell if it was the girl that Kevin had taken as his date to the school dance, but... Uh, he has sex with her with all the windows open with the intention of, you know, Jennifer Lopez seeing and see she does. Oh, yeah. He knows her by now. She knows that she's weak. So even though 
they're they're enemies by now, mm-hmm. right? There was attempted rape, and in she just can't a, stay away. A, well, she has to look. Um, we, I really, I wonder if there is online searches like if you go to Google and you Google is the blonde girl having sex with Noah the same girl that Kevin took to prom? If that actually has like a lot of hits, yeah, because it seems ambiguous enough that I like intentionally ambiguous. Right? It makes sense that it would be. Why? Because when... Because he's evil and vindictive. Well, also, he's a mastermind, mm-hmm. right? But he... When Kevin goes to ask her to the to the dance, he's standing in the background, and she looks up to him, to, to Noah, in mm-hmm. the background, and he gives her a nod, and then she says, yes, well, I can go to the band, dance with you. So I think that that's establishing they had a relationship that Kevin was not aware of. So mm. maybe they were already having sex before. And this is just him setting it up. Interesting. You read way into this movie, far more than the 90% that just so casually cast it to the side. It happens to be the second time I watched it, Alex. So (laughs) I don't blame you for missing the little details. You're still reeling from the sex scene 20 minutes later. That's very fair. Uh, Claire Peterson finds out uh, through Noah explaining, hey, I have more pictures. I have a tape of us. I got it all. So he's blackmailing her. Into what? Not really sure. He, again, she asks, "What do you think is going to happen? We're just going to be able to, you know, be a, uh, a couple and ride off into the sunset together?" He just says, "Sweet, sweet sex. <laughs> Let's take it one fuck at a time." Unfortunately, timed with all this, Kevin and uh, Garrett are in a near fatal car accident when the brakes no longer work on Garrett's sports car. More on that to come later. <laughs> the, that's uh, that's for all the. For how much the movie has ignored him, uh, here he gets the closest anybody in the movie gets to an Oscar speech, right? An Oscar clip. Kevin, yeah. yeah, He has a breakdown while he's driving. Uh, It's so sweet in a way because this makes sense with the way the movie has treated him, right? Mm -hmm. The way the movie has treated him is the way that his family has treated him because J-Lo and John Corbett, they've had their issues. And the whole point is that children of fractured families are a lot more vulnerable Mm -hmm. because suddenly – they're no longer the focus of these two people's love. Now these two people are fighting and the kids kind of have to fend for themselves. And so that's what the movie does to to Kevin. And then in this scene, it just explodes. It does, he, metaphorically and literally. Well, yeah. <laughs> he At first, he's driving fast just because he's mad. And then he's driving faster because the brakes don't work. <laughs> and then they crash into those uh, huge barriers that are filled with water. And he immediately, as soon as it breaks, he breaks and immediately embraces his father. I think it's telling that he doesn't need the EpiPen in this instance, even though it was high tension. Certainly more high tension than when he needed it earlier in the movie where he was just punching a, a bag. Yeah. But you know why he didn't need it? Because he had his dad with him. That's the entire point of the movie, man. Kevin needed his dad just like JLo needed her husband. Garrett. The movie is the story of Garrett and how necessary John Corbet is to... Life. Anyone's anyone's life. Yeah, there's a lot of JLo getting groped against her will throughout this too, which is very uh unsettling. Disconcerting. Uh her and not Amy Sedaris figure out a way to lure Noah away from his house so that JLo can break in and find this alleged tape. Right. So they get not Amy Sedaris inside JLo's car and mm-hmm. then Noah's following her thinking he's following JLo. Unfortunately, even though they're pretty much interchangeable, 
when they're inside cars, once you actually look at them, they're not quite the same. <laughs> and as soon as Noah takes a peek through the driver's uh, window and sees that it's, it's Kristen Chenoweth, then the gig is up. <laughs> Damn, fooled again. <laughs> Hops the curb, starts heading back. Kudos to Kristen Chenoweth for not even pretending no. that she was J-Lo once he saw her. Once he saw her because... Oh, it's me, J-Lo. <laughs> and he heads back. J-Lo, God bless her. The movie, you know, it's 2015, but she's searching around the house like there's going to be a goddamn VHS labeled, I fucked Claire Peterson, (laughs) XXX. I think that that's the movie making a point. Hey, there's a generational gap between these two lovebirds. It could never work. She does find hidden cameras sprinkled throughout the house, and she does find his side room, his killer shack, where the room is plastered with pictures of Jennifer Lopez and... Also pulls up his computer, which again is a Mac. Possibilities are endless. Finds a folder. You know, this kid never had a family computer. His the folder is just labeled Claire pictures. You got a porn folder in your computer. You label it homework, skateboarding pictures. Yeah, he saves his password. Oh, okay. You know, he has the check mark. That's right. She had to try Claire, and it wasn't that. Then it was Claire one two three. (laughs) Ding. Um. So she finds that, deletes that folder, and also finds uh, all his plans uh, and blueprints on his desktop of how to how, how to the brake systems. Yeah, how the brake systems and different cars work. Through this, we find out that one, he cut the brakes on uh, Garrett and Kevin's joyride, and then two, he killed his parents because he cut the brakes on their minivan. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is a, a, a one last reveal, but I guess that that happens in the climax, so we'll wait to get there. But what I was thinking is. As crazy as Noah is, and he is crazy, can you really blame him for recording the whole thing? Because that is, I mean, for all his bravado or whatever, he is 19. And in his mind, this could have been just like a a once-in-a-lifetime thing. It's never going to happen again. And who's going to believe me when I tell him I had sex with Jennifer Lopez? (laughs) I need some proof. It's fair. And I mean, truth be told, if the word got out of the school, he'd be, you know, the local legend. Forever. Forever. He would just become principal. They would have something in the cafeteria menu named after him. What's like the best thing? It's the little square piece of pizza that you get at (laughs) high school cafeterias. Noah killed his family. Now he's going after not Amy Sedaris. That's what my notes say. Oh, Vicky. That's right. He uses her as bait to lure in um, Kevin, Garrett, and Claire. And then he just fucking brutally murders uh vicky so so he the first two are easy right he just asks he calls kevin and he says i'm at, at not amy sedaris's house mm-hmm. come over i need help with something bring your dad easy and now he knows that jlo is going to be more more suspicious because she's seen the darker side of him so he uses the amazing power of the iphone in 2015 to replicate amy sedaris's not amy sedaris's voice mm-hmm. and pretends that that's that he is her and calls jennifer lopez which is crazy yeah i have not quite the newest iphone but my iphone right now is better than the one he had back then uh but it just shows that he knows more about apple than i do so claire j-lo shows up and all the lights are off so despite the generational gap she does have the wherewithal to use the flashlight on her phone to navigate through and doesn't she open like a closet and then chris chanowith just her bloody corpse falls out well first she steps on her cat i think it, oh, that's right, because you got to have the, the jump scare. It's a double whammy of a scare. Yeah. Where just when you're like, oh, God, it was just a cat. Oh, shit, there is a real dead body there. Mm-hmm. And it's dead. Like I thought she was going to wake back up, but nope. 
No, the, the it's probably the nastiest death. Uh, well, I guess it's the one death we've seen in this movie, right? You know, we don't see her actually get killed, but yeah, it's they they spared no expense. One million of the four million went to the death makeup that she had on. So the whole family's hostage. They're in a barn in the back of Vicky's house or on her farm, wherever they are. And John Corbet's tied up. Uh, Kevin's tied up. J Lo's tied up. And <laughs> well, J Lo's emotionally tied up. That's right. Was she actually tied up? No, she wasn't. Because there's, they have this whole dance there. Where, oh, that's right. That's right. For some um, reason. But yeah. actually, before he grabs her, that that's the big reveal when he. Oh, big. He reveals that she accuses him of killing his parents. And then he says, no, my mom killed herself. But my cheating father and his whore, those, they deserve what, what they got. Ah, And that's where you feel for Noah again. Because you realize that just like Kevin, he comes from a fractured family. That was his motivation. Yeah. In Kevin, he saw a lot of himself. Yeah, and... Can't blame him. In J Lo, he saw his mother that he wanted to have sex with. Well, I mean, I don't think that you need to remember J Lo. His like confessions, just like she was just really hot, man. Pretty much. <laughs> like, and during all this, like as this exposition is going on, Kevin's like, "Dude, you fuck my mom." He's he does not get. I'm pretty sure when the movie ends, Kevin still doesn't know what happened. He just went crazy. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, Mom, did you flunk him? <laughs> did you not like his book? Uh, what happens here? So he starts a fire, trying to burn everything down. I guess he gives Jennifer Lopez one last chance. She stabs the EpiPen in his eye. Yes. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. No, that was good. I don't know where she got it. Or maybe when she was checking on Kevin. Right, she was checking on Kevin. Took who, it from the holster. Once again, he manages not to have a panic attack. No. And this is... The situations have escalated, right? Very much. He had a panic attack when he was punching the punching bag. Didn't have a panic attack when he almost got into a car accident with his dad. And now where he is in a barn that's ablaze. Yeah. And his psycho ex-best friend has a gun. Uh, his dad is all tied up and bloody. And he's about to sort of rape his mom. Mm -hmm. Cool as a cucumber, that kid. <laughs> He's leveled up throughout the movie. And we don't see the actual beating, but man, fucking Garrett's just beat to shit. He looks like Nicolas Cage at the end of Snake Eyes. And he's like trying to maneuver his hands, and he somehow, both of them, MacGyver their way out of the situation they're in. They escape, and Garrett tells Jayla, like, get out of here, it's okay. And then just gets shot horrifically. That made you jump. Uh, I, I saw you jump. I was just astonished. You thought that the movie was winding down, and then... One last. Well, jolt. still, truth be told, there's only like 45 seconds left in this. But John Corbett gets just like shot right in the chest. I was like, "What the fuck?" And there's also the horrific and disgusting, dead alive like close up of J Lo putting her thumb into um, Noah's eye and like just starts oozing and goozing. Right. Once again, we don't know what an epipen really does, but I guess there's a mixture because but I would we know be what J Lo's thumb does. <laughs> right. Because when she stabbed him in the eye, I would that would be. Game over, right? Yeah. If I get stabbed in the eye, that's it. I'm, I don't care how harsh she is. I'm, he's driven by the urge to have that sweet, sweet candy once again. She... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I ever had sex with Jennifer Lopez, I'd probably want to do anything I could to replicate it. <laughs> Please love me. <laughs> I, will, I will be the father to your kid. I won't defrost the chicken in the microwave. Well, I think... 
my my rationalization of it, not that it needs anymore, because yeah, truly, I guess just wanting J Lo to love him is probably enough. But I thought it was like the like the adrenaline shot that Uma Thurman gets in Pulp Fiction, right? It hurts to get stabbed in the heart, but at the same time, you get that jolt of energy. So yes. maybe it hurts to get your eyeball popped by an EpiPen, but then it injects something else on you that allows you to keep going for another five minutes of movie. Uh, yeah, but his eyes fucked, and then he makes the classic mistake of walking under the motor that's tied to the roof of the barn. Which might as well be a piano. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Jennifer Lopez just, you terminated, motherfucker. And then hits the rope, and then the, the the motor falls down and crushes him. Seen it a thousand times. Big Acme motor. There was a little bit of bird and he seed. he looks up at the last second, then holds the help me sign up towards the camera. <laughs> It's it's a team effort. Everybody gets gets to kind of wear him down a little bit. J Lo more most than anybody else, but she wears him down psychologically first. Well, that too. Uh, but yeah, John Corbett before he gets shot, he kind of like doesn't he throw him across the room? That was pretty impressive, oh, dude. Yeah, he like fucking ragdolls him. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, up till I mean, yeah, if somebody does that to you, then you have to pull the gun out. Because yeah. before that, no, I didn't have the gun. Well, it's not even like he just gets completely you know manhandled and sunned by aiden from sex in the city of course you're pulling a gun out um and then at some point uh the kid also manages to break free and hits him with a board or something so everybody gets gets their licks in and and then walk out of there like a family mm-hmm. they're loading john corbett into the the ambulance halo's telling them we're gonna go home as a family and it's like <laughs> i'm fucking dying can we talk about this later <laughs> Yeah, it's not looking good for him. <laughs> well, but but he needs that which Noah had, right? Mm-hmm. That that thing that allowed him to pull through a stabbed eye, which is knowing that J Lo is at the end of the tunnel. Yes. So so no good in a way. That's probably the best thing she could have done. No doctor could have given him the will to live that she does in that moment when she says, "We're coming home together." Yeah. You're sleeping in the bedroom tonight. And he looks at her and says, "I want to go home, Forrest." <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to these radically stylized Marcus Nispel esque music video like credits that uh, I'm case, still tr- I'm still reeling from. In case you hadn't had enough of the sex scenes, uh, I mean they only have sex once, J Lo and 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 Noah. As the poster but, says, her mistake, his obsession. Right, right. Her one. This mistake. is how he led a nation. <laughs> but but the movie goes back to it a few times. Uh, because Noah keeps having these flashbacks, and then it happens again at the end credits. So th- it feels fitting. It's it's a nice um, bookend to it. Also, I like the the juxtaposition of there's that moment where in the credits you see somebody, probably J Lo, mm-hmm. writing someone, probably Noah, and that's when the the movie decides to hit you with written by a woman. Yeah, written by Barbara Curran. Yeah, isn't like what are you gonna do with that now, huh? That was definitely unexpected. Yeah, that's this movie doesn't stop challenging your preconceptions. It made me feel like a huge cockbag too. Right after our uh, kids are all right, talking, about, you can clearly tell when it's written by. <laughs> to be fair, it was just for that movie and the movie Chef, written by John Favreau. But yeah, what what a right! And then by the end, I think that the, the movie has made a very strong case for family values, traditional family values. Um, 
that is what you would say working within the system, right? Mm -hmm. Barbara Curran knew what message she wanted to say, but she also knew that liberal Hollywood wasn't just going to make a movie about that. But if you hide your message, if you smuggle it in a movie that seems to be on the surface about Jennifer Lopez having sex with with a young boy slash man. I was going to say, boy, he is not. (laughs) He... He loves her like a boy in the sense that he's That's naive. True. He's never been in love before. What man is not like a boy when he first falls in love? Especially if it's Jennifer Lopez. I mean, Christ's sake. You could be 70 and still behave like that. It like could have been the uncle of <laughs> yes. uh, Noah. Uh, so that was the boy next door, the man next door. Do you have anything else to add? What else could be said about what this? What a 90-minute roller coaster ride. Woo! Just, you know. Where's that? Where's that fan? So I can just fan myself a little more. <laughs> All right, we're moving on to real talk. Kevin, let's go. What a fucking whore you are! Deal, you said. Let's make a deal. You trying to play me, Claire? Is that what this is? Of course not. Bullshit. What? Why are you doing this? Fucking liar. What is wrong with you? I'm seeing things clearly now. Hey, no, what's going on? Hey, Mom. Mom, what just happened? Honey, I need you to stay away from Noah, okay? He's a bad influence. What are you talking about? You're just gonna have to trust me on this one. Okay? No, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna trust you, okay? Because you're not taking away the one good friend I have. He is not your friend. Bullshit, Mom. He's my friend. Excuse me. Watch your mouth and get in the car. No, he said you do this. What? He said you'd do this, and if you did, then it was dad talking and not you. He's been right. He's this been is right crazy, all along. Okay? No way. Kevin, I'm asking you to get in the car. See you at school. All right, we're recording for real talk. Okay, indeed we are. The man next door, the boy next door, produced by Jennifer Lopez, directed by Robert. Why do I keep calling him Robert? Rob Cohen. Well, I'm sure he was born Robert Cohen, and then he decided he was too cool for that extra syllable. Written by the aforementioned Barbara Curry, released on January 23rd, 2015. A very modest budget of $4 million for a box office return of 52.4, so right around 52, 53. Regardless, can't say shit about it. Made its budget back and made some money. You think that the studio had $4 million lying around and they're like, what do we do with this? And <laughs> Rob Cohen raised his hand. Uh, from what I could read, he had to be talked into doing it because he's not used to doing movies with that low of a budget. So <laughs> he wasn't sure that he was going to get anything back was basically it. But it, from what I was able to read, he it, he ended up clearing like 2 to $3 million and he only – they shot the movie in like three weeks. So get your fucks in, man. Um, he's best friends with JLo now. Yeah. When do we do another one? <laughs> uh, quick bits of trivia found interesting. Jennifer Lopez admitted the sex scenes with Ryan Guzman were awkward to film. You don't say. You executive produced it. Well, what's more weird here is this: how much she believed in it. She wore her own clothes for the movie so that they could save money on wardrobe. Like she really believed in this project. So those shoes that they make fun of. Earlier, when she Ryan was Guzman. super self-conscious about, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jennifer Lopez did not use a body double, like we said. That was to me one of the most surprising things. Not like in a pervy sense, but just based on what I know about, especially actresses at that notoriety level. Wait, she doesn't need to. That's the thing. Why would you 
right? Well, like Mila Kunis doesn't need to, but she did for a couple movies. Right. I mean, yeah. So you don't need to, but you would because it does add that thing where – I mean, I think it's a double-edged sword because it's distracting either way. Mm-hmm. It's distracting because you can see the cuts, the way it's shot to to make sure that it's not – 100% clear that they're a body double, even though they're a body double. Yeah. Or you get distracted because you have the reaction that we had here, which is, holy shit, it is her. Yeah. Either way, it's going to take you out of the movie. And she would have been like 45 when this is being filmed or whatever. And man, the victory, man. It, the, it was the victory lap. Yeah. She was just 45. Well, she's still gorgeous. But yeah, as like, is the man in me coming out? I was just like, God damn. But um, yeah. God bless. And what's I already forgot homeboy's name. Ryan Guzman. I mean that he, he that, does all right. Yeah. His dad and his grandpa were just off like behind the camera. That's my boy. Well, there's but going back to the nudity though, I think that it's one thing where the movie requires you to be naked for an emotional reason. Yeah. Right? Uh but here it's just a sex scene mm-hmm. and really you could have cut from them kissing to her waking up the next morning, and the movie is the same. Yeah, it's not like there is this complex emotional arc that happens in that sex scene that no. that couldn't have been achieved unless not just you you didn't just show her, but you showed her with J Lo there, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's more like why were you why were you trying to prove? I I, I don't get it. Really made it feel like cinemaxy. Um, and then the last bit here, I found this to be pretty humorous. The movie's low budget originally did not allow the traffic accident near the end to be filmed, so only the aftermath would be seen. Director Rob Cohen thought it was vital to the show uh, to show the entire accident, so he called in some favors of people who worked on the Fast and Furious, who gave him a discount so he could shoot the scene. However, this caused him to run out of budget for the film's climax. After test screening a rough cut, Cohen felt that Claire should stab Noah in the eye at the end, However, producer Jason Blum, whose low-budget rules state one should stick to the intended budget, refused to pay for the reshoots. Cohen went to Universal Studios, the movie's distributor, and asked for an additional $300,000. He spent the money on reshooting the love scene and the climax, including fake head for Ryan Guzman, which reportedly cost 24000 to make. Wait, he asked for how much money? 300000 Yes. Okay. And the... I guess the stunt cost about thirty grand, including the fake head. So that other two seventy, <laughs> sexy. Take it off. Um, I mean, clearly Rob Cohen cares about the stuff that he's putting out there. <laughs> Apparently, he, he, I don't know. He made this movie, but uh, why it, is it vital that she she would stab him in the eye? I mean, it, what, it's what was so it like tonally before? inconsistent. Anyway, let's. Before we get the deep dive into this, 10%. So that does mean people genuinely like this. I do have a theory. Generally, no, genuinely hated it. Critics. No, it means that 10% of people oh, 10%. genuinely liked it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, you said you had a question? No, I have a theory, but we'll get oh. to that after this. Um, okay, so a few fresh tomatoes. Uh, William Bibiani from Crave Online says, An absolute triumph of cheese served with a generous helping of sleaze. <laughs> All right, William. Uh, Matthew Licona from the San Diego Reader says, If it's trash, it at least has the sense to be gleeful about it. Gregory Wakeman from Cinema Blend says, It's not great, but it's also not bad. And in the end, that feels like a win. 
that's that's how he approaches everything in life. <laughs> not great, not bad. It's a win. Mayor Reinstein from US Weekly says it's all hilariously ridiculous, but bless J Lo for trying her mightiest to sell it. If someone's going to bring sultriness to suburbia, it might as well be Jenny from the block. Jesus. And finally, Matt Donato from We Got Discovered says, When we're all sitting in a midnight screening of The Boy Next Door someday, throwing home-baked cookies at the screen, I'll be the one shouting, I told you so. That guy nailed it. Matt Donato nailed that it? That guy nailed it. That Okay, so those first few of, like, it's <clears throat> gleeful about how sleazy it is. No. I, I mean... It, I, it's, I, it takes itself seriously. Yeah, and, and much like Jennifer Lopez. And power to her. She's never been the type of person that can, you know, have a sense of humor about herself or anything like that. That's perfectly fine. Uh, there's people like that, and, and to some extent, there's nothing wrong with that because she can. Fucking people like Dana White and fucking Donald Trump that have no sense of humor about themselves—that's so- not deserved. You're a fucking idiot. Jennifer Lopez wants to make a movie like this, play it completely serious, complete miss. But fair fucks to her, she can do that. And it made a lot of money. It made it w- was more than ten times its fucking budget. So, but homeboy there at the end. Matt LeBlanc or whatever his name was. Uh, <laughs> Joey. Jo- <laughs> That's exactly what I came away from with it. I was like, one, I'm shocked I've never heard of this movie. Two, I could easily see this being like a cult classic in the vein of... Say it. You want to say Rocky Horror? No. <laughs> I was going to say like Valley of the Dolls or something like that. Or, oh, wow. Or, you know, any of the Friday the 13th movies I fucking love. I could easily see this being run on a Terror Tuesday 10 years from now. Right. Or anything like that. Because it is, like, bad to the point of becoming almost self-parody and it's entertaining. I do not for a second regret watching this movie. (laughs) Things that are hilarious about it. Kristen Chenoweth being the man killer (laughs) and her best friend Jennifer Lopez can't find a date. Incredible. Uh, Two, she fucked a 19-year-old that she didn't know was going to be her student. Why didn't she just say, hey, principal whatever i made a mistake can't do this police hey i fucked this kid now he's stalking me like then there wouldn't be a movie though right right there is no reason why at some point you could almost give her the first few instances of wait say something and she doesn't because it's maybe kind of embarrassing that she hooked up with the neighbor who's so much younger than she is but at some point probably around the time that he tries to rape you in the bathroom you just say Screw this. I'm calling the cops. Yeah. And nothing can be worse than, than whatever this guy's trying to. No shit. She's just trying to, to protect like her social standing. Then we were watching, I was like, I remember saying out loud, I was like, man, she's allowing this to happen to herself. And I was just like, oh man, I definitely don't want to say that on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but that that's what a lot of I was just biting my tongue about. It's like, okay, get over yourself, social stigma. This is not worth protecting, you know, your perceived image or whatever. And right, well, but it, here's the thing. It's not even because the movie is not trying to make that point anyway. It's no. not like the movie is trying to say, oh, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't go to authorities because she was afraid that she wasn't going to be believed. The movie's trying to tell or, you, like, oh, I made this mistake and now, like, this guy's after me. Right. The movie's just trying to not be logical. It's not that she doesn't go to the authorities because she doesn't think that she has a, a, a believable story. It's just she, has, she doesn't go because, one, the movie needs to keep going, mm-hmm. and two, they're playing as if, no, it's a mastermind that that has planned everything perfectly, but that's not the case. Yeah, so it's just frustrating. How did Noah get to this location? With like, it seemed like there was no police interrogation at all about the accident that happened with his dad. Well, the cop when when she goes to talk to the cop that I guess was in charge of the investigation, 
he is so laid back. He's he's like Mark Ruffalo levels of of chill. <laughs> She's asking some very suspicious questions, and the cop just goes, "Is there anything I should know?" <laughs> and then she he just walks away. Uh, what high school has a boxing team? <laughs> uh, it, well, in in what high school? Really, we mentioned it in Contreras Corner, but why would he be left without supervision, security, alone with uh, with the vice principal? Especially uh, when she read his record and said he was kicked out for like violent tendencies. Right? Why wouldn't you have this kid, at bare minimum, being watched by security? Right? Instead, you're just letting him roam. And also, like, he's in the junior class, it, the Grease Syndrome. All these kids, they got to play, these high school kids, excuse me, are, you know, five o'clock shadow. They they couldn't make it for hairspray, so they went and got into, you He know. should have been, he would have been more believable as a young dad of one of the students. <laughs> That'd be great. She's, like, taught, like, junior high instead, and he's, right. like, a 21-year-old dad. Be perfect. I'm trying to look at my notes here to see if there's anything else going on. Uh, tonally, yeah, the violence comes out of nowhere at the end because it gets like really violent really quick. Which, again, for what I read this movie as a, a swing and a miss, but such a colossal miss that it becomes entertaining. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, John Corbett as the it's the dad trying to come back, the sensible dad, the sensible dad. He he puts up with a lot. But really, again, hilarious trope. Oh, my wife Jennifer Lopez isn't. It doesn't do it for me. So I need to, you know, yeah. sleep with some secretary. Uh, at least show us a secretary so we can make a, an impartial judgment call. A well-informed call. I'm trying to think of who had been perfect casting for that. A Travolta and drag. <laughs> he really. Oh, he he had different needs then that Jennifer Lopez could not fulfill at all. <laughs> No, I'm trying to think of who would be perfect in that role just based on, you know, what we joke about here. Anyway, here nor there. Um, Mila Kunis, because you brought it up earlier. Oh, man. Then that movie would be clearly written by a man. <laughs> John Corbett has to decide between two gorgeous women. I can't, I can't figure it out. <laughs> Do I go with the really hot one that's closer to my age or the really hot one that's 20 years younger than me? I don't know. There's like in theaters this cons. January. <laughs> yeah, and again, the hilarity of it being 2015 and J Lo looking like she's trying to. Fu- it's like that scene where she goes into his house looking for the tape. It's like a scene from The Net from 1993 <laughs> with Sandra Bullock, you know, looking for a floppy disk or something. Which she's looking for an actual fishing net. And the, <laughs> and the best part is like when she goes to leave, the decrepit old uncle's like, "Ah, Jennifer Lopez, what are you doing here?" And then she doesn't even say anything to him. She's just like, no one's going to believe this old fuck. And just leaves the house. Um, yeah, it, it's so dumb. But I found myself uh, enthralled and right. hypnotized by what I was watching. But this is one of those... I I generally I try to not do this in a serious manner. Yes. To call a movie trash in a serious manner. But it is trash because it's trashy, right? I mean, not trash as in like, man... The people working behind it. It's not it, trash it, it, like Cannibal Holocaust or like something that like the people in charge had gross motives and were right, treating right. people this badly. Right, right, right. This is just isn't like trash. Isn't the, like, the material itself is trashy, right? Yeah. And so, Smut. Yes. I, and Because clearly, come on, th- there's no way that this movie is trying to say anything other than uh, 
hey, we're going to titillate you for a little bit. Can you give us your money? You're already going, you're thinking too much of it by thinking it's trying to say anything. No, but I would like to think that Jennifer Lopez signs up as an executive producer here because she wants to have some sort of control over the material and you want to do something about it, right? I mean, you'd think that executive producer thing sometime. You know, one of the weirdest ones I ever saw, me and Eddie discovered this together. Ben Stiller was an executive producer on that horror movie, The Ruins. Right, but I mean. I'm just saying, like those things come and go in very odd shapes and forms. But well, I think that it's, it's there's a difference. But to the between... point, yeah. To piggyback on yours and to kind of invalidate what I just said, the, <laughs> it's clear that Jennifer Lopez was on board because she used her own wardrobe to help out the fucking right. budget. Yeah, I, I think that you can be a uh, a disconnected executive producer, somebody like Ben Stiller that maybe did something for the production, and in return he gets a credit. It, yeah. Or you can be an actor that's actively helping the movie get produced because you're in it and you believe in the project and then you get the credit like the fucking two dozen producers credits brad pitt has just for yeah here's money leave me alone give me some credit he gave somebody a handshake (laughs) he shook someone's hand and then something happened and then uh, um so i don't know i mean there is a a lot of the quotes that i didn't get to read would uh bring up fatal fatal attraction and i haven't i've never seen fatal attraction but i know the basic story right is fatal attraction the one with Glenn Close or yeah. Demi Moore? No, uh, Glenn Close. Demi Moore is infidelity. I don't know, but I but know it's what you're both talking about. Mike Douglas, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mike Douglas trilogy. Um, my man. Just uh, drop in Denzel, my man, right there. <laughs> uh, the Mike Douglas trilogy. It's Fatal Attraction, Basic Instinct, and then the Demi Moore one. Yeah, he's uh, he had a he had a good ride in the nineties. He did. I've told you, I quoted this on the last podcast, but that's uh, one of my favorite Chappelle show quotes where he talks about himself in his 20s and he's like, with a sexual appetite that would make Mike Douglas seem gay. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, well, but Fatal Attraction, I think, uh, I mean, I feel silly talking about it and not having seen it, but to me, it's a clear don't cheat on your wife kind of morality tale, right? It's just... He had a good family. He had a good thing going on. He cheats on her. And then, oh, it's a crazy woman. And then she comes to try to kill him. And then the family remains united after whatever. But this is not even that because she she was not in the wrong, right? Unless the movie's really uh, punishing her for not forgiving John Corbett, mm-hmm. right? Which is crazy. I mean, I know I said that in Contrarian's Corner, but in Contrarian's Corner, I was just being an ass. Here, I don't really believe that uh, that that is the stance the movie should take. No, it, it, but is it taking it because, uh, she she's in the right, right? If she wants to sleep with a nineteen year old neighbor, why not? She's yeah. separated. Her husband doesn't live with her. And I mean, it's probably not the best decision, but it's not. It definitely doesn't warrant what happens later. <laughs> you, no, you could argue that Mike Douglas in Fatal Attraction cheating on his wife warrants a little bit you know well you kind of had it coming but in in jayla's case she was even trying to to go out and date and she was having really bad luck it's and she's like clearly scoping her prey beforehand she's like <laughs> checking him out watching him change the alternator on a truck and all that um <laughs> scoping her prey. Uh, no but i'll tell you if this movie and i do wonder if uh barbara current wrote a different kind of movie and then production changes into this right that's a fair point and fair question. in 
I mean, the boy next door, what if it's really a boy next door? What if it's, if it's an underage kid and she doesn't know that he's underage, mm-hmm. right? What if she had sex with a 17-year-old? That changes everything. That makes the entire movie make sense because then, well, that's why you wouldn't go to the cops. Yeah. <laughs> but, of course, that makes her character very reprehensible. Yeah. Uh, but that is a much better story. It, that's an ickier story, but I, that would make a better movie if you pulled it off. I mean, you don't give that movie to Rob Cohen, I guess. No. Y- you need to give it to somebody that can... Lars Van Trier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, again, I was all just kind of smut movie, so I was okay with it. But the part in the, where he's, like, groping her in the kitchen while her son and husband, like, that was a bit much. And then, yeah, he's trying to rape her in the bathroom. It's like, oh, God, this is... We've crossed the line. It's no longer fun. <laughs> I'm let's, not having fun anymore. Let's bring it back. Let's yeah. bring it back. Forgot the point I was going to make. Probably wasn't much of one, but well, wouldn't it also be creepier if if it was a seventeen year old doing the things that Noah's doing here? Mm-hmm. You can see a seventeen year old being savvy enough to do the ridiculous things that Noah does <laughs> in this movie. Uh, It'd just be fish tank. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jennifer Lopez just backhanding <laughs> Ryan Guzman. Uh, well, I mean, you could have a seventeen year old that's that's fit that can fight oh, yeah. in. And, you know, maybe he you doesn't have, have to be. You have plenty of them across the country every year. You hear of female <laughs> teachers. And, you know, that works both ways. Male teachers also sleeping with their students. Yeah. I think that you could make a more complex movie if it was just uh, an ickier movie. Mm. But instead here, it's just technically. A standard January release. Yes. To adults having consensual sex. And then, you know, you just turn into like a boring, ridiculous stalker movie. <laughs> so, eh. Uh... Acting for what the movie was was fine. I, I I wasn't crazy about the kid, but I don't think that that's his. Uh, Ryan Guzman or no, Kevin? No, Kevin? Yeah, Kevin, Kevin was I, not good. I didn't say the man. I said I, I said the kid. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth always bringing it. Yeah. Um, I don't know who played the school principal, but he was no nonsense. He was a by the books dude, and I appreciated that. <laughs> it's like why? You know the the one scene where he he reads her the the riot act after mm-hmm. she's logged him out and started class late and then I like that he pulls her out and he says the janitor said that he saw you touching him yeah and then she says I well I was not being forceful or whatever and then he goes I'm not questioning your moral integrity but I'm questioning your behaviors <laughs> I'm not doing this but I am doing this. Yeah, I, I mean, what you had told me about it when I saw 10%, I was like, ah, Jesus, it's going to be Christmas with the Cranks or some shit. But So I guess when I ask you, is it worse than Christmas with God, the Cranks? God, no. <laughs> Again, I mean, that, that movie's got an undefeated record that will stand the test of time until I'm proven <laughs> wrong. Uh, but as, as, a, as an opening salvo for the Contrarians, you're five? Yeah, you're five. My God. That's, I think we're off to a good start. Yeah. Quite the banger. Now, as far as like Jayla's debut here in the show, well, <laughs> she could have done better, I guess. She could have done worse too. That's true. There, she has some clunkers in her filmography. Um, yeah, I was looking over her filmography. It's not an embarrassment of riches. There's some really good stuff too. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mentioned it in the last. I episode, mean, she's not but... starving, so I don't think she really cares. But uh... the contrarians, who <laughs> <laughs> they think what shut, of my career? Sh- shut them down. <laughs> That, I mean, there's really not much more to be said about that. I think it's certainly something that I could see myself watching 
from time to time when I need a bad movie on in the background. Whenever you need a break from the Julianne Moore, Mark Ruffalo gifs on your phone, you can now go to Ryan Guzman and Jennifer Lopez. Get that sweet, sweet man ass that we get within like the first five minutes of the movie. I think this movie is worth sharing with somebody who hasn't seen it before just to see, to get their reaction when the sex scene gets real. Yeah. Because I, that was the best part of watching it this time when... <laughs> When you reacted to the fact that we hadn't we hadn't gotten like a fade to black, mm-hmm. instead he went straight for her boobs. Yeah, he carried her to bed, and then you thought that that was done, and then no, <laughs> she still just kept there. going, and the camera keeps padding up to her face. Yeah, it's like blue is the warmest color. I was like, all right, <laughs> we're fade in, to black. We're in for the long haul. <laughs> uh, I mean, definitely, if I was grading it as a film, like a D, but again. It, what that last reviewer said absolutely hit the nail on the head. I could definitely see this becoming the the cult classic type movie. Yeah, I oh, dude, this is like star and a half maybe. That that extra half star is for because it's fun to watch with friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it. No, I mean the critics has got it right this time. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's a fucking stinker. If you're just judging it from an artistic standpoint. Fortunately, we're not. Speaking of stinkers, moving along to plugs. <laughs> Let me plug some stinkers. No, I've talked about this before on here, where it's sometimes it's paid off and other times it hasn't. I started a new show on Netflix. And I got so far into it that I was like, all right, I have to finish this now. But it sucks. It's a show called I'm Sorry. Uh, What's it about? Tell me, because I might have heard about it and just don't know the title. That's pretty impressive that you would do that, though, because I... I used to give shows six episodes, and mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore because I have so much that I want to watch that I'll give them two tops. So one of the people in it, you're going to be mad at me for saying it sucks. <clears throat> is uh, it Josh Gad? It's not. It's close. Uh, it's created by, written by, and starring uh, Andrea Savage, who's a female comedic actor, comedian. She, the thing I've been able to say that people know her from, she was the psychiatrist that ends up dating Will Ferrell's character in Step Brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't seen Step Brothers in a while, so I couldn't tell you. Let me see if I can find something else. Anyway, it's just this really shitty comedy that really isn't funny. Netflix? Netflix from True TV. Uh, but her husband is played by Spartacus himself, Tom Everett Scott. Oh, no. He's not used that much in it, so it's no fault of his own. But it's also got Rafi from um, The League, which I've never been able to pronounce his name. The guy who does the podcast. Right. Uh, how did this get made? Jason. Manzukis. M- Manzukis. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep. Okay, cool. Which he's fucking hilarious, but he's great and everything. Um, so, like, I'm mad. Like, I'm, like, hate watching it at this point. No, it- no, no. I mean, you had to say Tom Everett Scott. That's all. I would have watched the entire thing, too. <laughs> I, I mean, there is funny stuff to it, but it's it's one of those things. At this point, it, it, you can't just do fuck shit, cock, you know, poop jokes for comedy. Like, if it's going to be a series, there's got to be some. So, what is what is the hook? What the, are they sorry for? I, I don't know. That I still don't know. Like, <laughs> the show? yeah, I don't. Apparently, uh, Judy Greer's in a few episodes. So when I saw that, I was like, all right, all right. But it's like all the parts of it seem like it should work, but it just kind of falls flat. It's not actively bad. It's Halloween's just, Judy Greer. Halloween's Judy Greer. Who's there for the entire length of the movie, much to my surprise. <laughs> and um like that show Love. 
Yeah. I remember that was one that I was like, mm, I don't know, but then it really pulled it around in the end. So right. that's the thing. They got their hooks in me. Aside from that, before I throw it over to Julio for his plugs, getting my normal stuff out of the way, uh, the festive years, we always appreciate them providing our opening and closing tracks. Opening, last stand, closing, summer of 99. Um, their album, Don't Let Me Use You. Google, Bandcamp, find them where you need to. I saw they posted new tracks on their Twitter. Oh, fuck uh, yeah. I just didn't get around to downloading them, but yeah. Uh, also, has Rod Geezer. Absolutely. The man behind their logo. Uh, he has a, his own podcast, Nacion Combi. Uh, you can contact him at Mil Demonios uh, on Twitter, M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. You can tell him that you love his podcast, or you can tell him that you would like a logo and start that conversation. You can just tell him that he's cool. Whatever you want to do, you can also email him at mildemonios at hotmail.com. Get it. Uh, uh, Plugwise, first, a few episodes ago, we mentioned the Recasting Couch um, podcast where they recast movies mm-hmm. um and uh and i was like oh we don't have a promo for them well they have a promo they emailed it to me <laughs> so awesome. so we can play it and i'll play it right now hey everyone it's chris and mike from the recasting couch the podcast where we take our favorite movies and discuss what they would be like with new actors in all the lead roles hey mike tell them where they can find us on social media you can find our website at therecastingcouch.com or on Twitter at RecastingPod. And of course, you can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Android, or anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Yeah, if there's a service that's not posting our pod, you let us know and we will rectify that immediately. Damn right. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. So that was their Recasting Couch. Listen to them. Uh, also, since we're on the Netflix topic, I will say I've been meaning to plug this show for a while, and I haven't because I I was waiting until I could watch the second season, and I still haven't. Mm-hmm. But I have no doubt that it's as great as the first season. It's called Atypical. Have okay. you seen it show up on your Netflix browsing? Yes. Uh, it's basically it's a comedy. Um, main character is uh, this kid that has, has autism, and. Uh, it's basically about his family and and just the relationships between them, and uh, because obviously they're having trouble dealing with it. The mom is like very much into uh, taking care of him and and helping him navigate school, and he has he has a job, and then his sister kind of like takes care of him too, but she's a little more tough love. And then the dad, he he was originally checked out, and now he's trying to come back into his life. It's so good. It's it's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's such a good show that I usually have to take a break in between episodes. Oh, wow. It's just the first season was only eight episodes, but I need to take a break in between because it just it hits you so hard. Oh, Michael Rappaport's in it. Yeah, he's okay. a dad. He's, it's career best performance wow. in my mind. Yeah, he's so good in it um, because he's playing this sensitive side uh, of the of the dad character. That's not usually what you associate with Michael Rappaport. Mm-hmm. Right? Michael Rappaport, I'm always thinking broad comedy. Uh, but no, here he's he's playing this guy that really he has no idea how to do this, how to be the father of an autistic kid, and mm-hmm. so he, but he's trying to learn. So that's it's really it's really cool. Interesting. Uh, second season dropped like oh man, I don't know, maybe like a month ago, maybe more, and I just haven't had the peace of mind to like sit down and really devote the attention <laughs> I want to to this show. And it's it's almost because I don't know how popular it was, right? Mm-hmm. So it was so cool that it got a second season, um, and of course now if it doesn't get a third one, I'm gonna feel so bad because I'm, I'm gonna feel that it was my fault for not watching, not binging the second season as soon as it came out. Um, there's also 
a couple of uh, really cool movies on Netflix that I watched. Uh, have you seen? Well, actually, one is Netflix, one is Amazon Prime. Uh, did you watch Blue Ruin or Green Room when they came out? No. Uh, so I watched Blue Ruin. It was on Netflix for a while. I don't think it is anymore. It's this guy, uh, writer and director Jeremy Sonier. Uh, I was not crazy about Blue Ring, which is why I didn't go watch Green Room when it came out, which was his follow-up. Uh, it had, uh, oh man, what's the name of that guy that played Scotty in the new Star Trek? Um, Simon Pegg? No. Simon Pegg is not Scotty. Oh, no, 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 yeah, Simon Pegg is Scotty, uh, the guy that played Chekhov. Uh, Anton Yelkin? Yes, Anton Yelkin is in it. He's the main guy. It's uh, oh, about... Uh, R.I.P. I know. He's so good in it, too. Uh it's a really solid cast. Captain Picard, speaking of Star Trek, he's, he plays the main bad guy. It's about this punk uh, punk band that goes to um, uh, place a gig in this kind of uh, out-of-the-way neo-Nazi bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, of course, shit happens and they end up being trapped there. It's just them against the neo-Nazis. It's, it's, it's a pretty awesome thriller. And the reason I finally watched it was because I watched Sony Air's newest movie, which was a Netflix original. It's called Hold the Dark. Uh, it's not at all like his past two movies in the sense that it's very slow-paced and it's very murky in the way that it tells you some things. But it has some amazing sequences in it. And when the movie was over, I don't want to... I'm going to be vague about it because I don't want to give anything away. I think part of the fun of the movie is trying to figure out, like, what the hell is this movie trying to say? Yeah. And not in the sense of... Uh, what the hell is the boy next door trying to say? <laughs> but Morrison, like, wow, how do I read this? Um, and I, I loved it so much that then I was like, okay, I need to watch Green Room now because I like this one so much. I don't care how much I dislike Blue Ruin. Mm-hmm. Green Room, it's, it might be closer to this. And of course, Green Room, Green Room is uh, a very intense, really fast-paced thriller, the complete opposite of Hold the Dark. Uh, Hold the Dark, I can tell you the setup. This guy comes in. He's, he's an author. He's written a book about wolves, played by Jeffrey Wright. And he he's summoned by this woman uh, who lives in like the wilderness. And she claims that her son has been taken by the wolves. And uh, so all she wants is like the guy to go and like kill the wolves that took her kid. Because you know she has nothing to bury, and her husband is off in the war. And when she when he comes back. She wants to be able to tell him, at least, you know, this happened. Mm-hmm. And I got this done. And that starts the movie, but then it gets really fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so good, man. I can't tell you, and I don't want to spoil anything, so you just kind of have to go watch it. And But watch it when you just have time. It because it's, yeah. If you're going to watch Green Room, which is an Amazon Prime, that's an easy watch. Because it's just, like, nonstop. It's just thrills and neo-Nazis, easy villains, right? Mm-hmm. Um but but if you're watching Hold the Dark, you're kind of going to be on unsteady footing the entire time. So you want to make sure you have your two hours blocked out. You don't want to make a break in between the movie. And, yeah. But it's it's definitely worth watching. Interesting. Well, i got a lot on my docket now. Well, yeah. Need to rewatch The Man Next Door and fire up my Netflix. <laughs> well, you can, you can fast forward to uh, to the scenes that matter. <laughs> Where she just knees him in the groin and says, I don't know you. That's my purse. <laughs> All right, so that was The Boy Next Door. What's our next episode going to be? We actually haven't decided yet. Okay. Uh, it'll be a surprise for you listeners. I'm sure I'll I'll put it out on Twitter and Facebook once we finally figure it out. I was thinking of, uh, I might have mentioned it already in the podcast, and I still haven't done it. Uh, I want to do a coming soon page on the webpage. So mm-hmm. we have a list of 
future episodes. So all, so you and I can remember. Yes, yeah. <laughs> mainly for us. Cool. We'll look into that. But uh, for the interim, for the now, we want to thank you guys for listening to the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong, and we will catch you next time. The summer of 1999. relationship with Ms. Luna. What happened at school? I just remember giving thousands of high fives. <laughs> Did the kids call you names? Um, yes, ma'am. Uh, the man, uh, luckiest guy ever, my hero, uh, baller, little pimp, uh, little baller, the one, uh, Goodyear pimp, Fred Pimpstone, Ren and Pimpy, king of the teachers, after school special, Teacher's Petter, The Boy Who Lived, Gavin the Great, Magic the Gavining, Legend, Supercalifragilistic, This Be Such a Dope Kid, and He Who Has Sex with Teachers. I'm, so, I'm sorry, that's all I can remember, but those were the main ones. Noted. Now, Mr. Daly, were you bullied as a result of the affair? No, I would, uh, I would describe it as the end of the movie Rudy, and, uh... <laughs> I was Rudy. Are you okay, Your Honor? Yeah, yeah, it's just this guy. Extra credit.